Welcome to Becoming, where together we are becoming more than we are and who we were always meant to be. We are your hosts, Tawny Beardall and Erica Peterson. Each episode will feature different topics to enhance your growth, help you see the world differently, and discover who you really want to become. Hello, and welcome back to Becoming. This is Tony Beardall. I'm so happy to have you here with me today. Hopefully, you all listened last week when I introduced the seven steps to spiritual surrender series. Poof, lots of S's in there. So last week, I dove into why it is so important to have a spiritual surrender. And today, we are going to start with our first topic, which is control and powerlessness. We're going to be discussing what this really means. Then I'm going to share with you a few things that I find really important and different resources that have really helped me when I've struggled with feelings of needing to control situations in which I had no control. So this entire series is based on an article written by Laura Brotherson, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist. And she introduces the first step of spiritual surrender by saying, identify where you have power to influence and where you don't, whether regarding other people or circumstances or over your own thorns of the flesh. Acknowledge where your agency ends and someone else's agency exceeds yours. You can't violate another person's agency or force your will upon God. You can't force or control others without being manipulative. Okay, so when I first read this, it caused me to pause. And that's probably because I don't think any of us, or many of us, I should say, are purposely trying to manipulate or control others, at least not for our own gain. So I had to ask myself, is this subject even one that I should spend time focusing on? But when I really got real with myself, which I like to do, I like to really self-reflect and make sure I'm being honest with how I'm feeling. I thought about it through another scenario. And I honestly have occasionally found myself trying to force my opinion or will on someone else. And it's usually ends up being my children or my loved ones. But I only do it because I love them. And I want the best for them. I don't know if any of you are into the color code personality test, but I am like, so full-fledged blue. It just means that I'm driven by the moral reason behind things. So I feel like when I'm trying to do this controlling thing, it's always from a place of really good intentions. But that doesn't mean that it's right or that I shouldn't try to improve my behavior, right? Sometimes the best way to learn is through sharing our experiences. I don't know if you guys remember, but I'm a hairdresser. And a while ago, I was cutting and coloring my friend's hair, and we got into a discussion that reminds me exactly of this. So my friend has a teenage boy, and she is seriously so worried about him and the choices that he's making. She is noticing his grades are dropping tremendously, and he just seems to be totally unengaged and indifferent about everything. She's tried to do everything she can think of to help him. She's lectured him and pleaded with him. She's gotten involved with checking in on his school assignments and his tests incessantly. Um, she's done everything she can besides basically just doing the work for him. When 
our kids go through this, we can just end up becoming obsessed with what's going on and feel the greatest need to control the situation. And that's all from good intention, like I said. I mean, she knows what's on the line here, which is his whole future. His habits today will affect his ability to get into a good college. And if that doesn't happen, she will worry about what kind of career that he's going to end up in. And not only that, but what if his actions result in addictions and then cause him to have a severe lifestyle impact? This situation just felt all-consuming for my friend, and it put her in the most paralyzed state. So just like the author of this article, Laura Brotherson, suggests, my girlfriend just needs to acknowledge where her agency ends and where her son's agency exceeds her own. She cannot violate her son's agency or force her will upon him. So what does she do? What can any of us do when we feel like we're trapped in this space? How is my friend supposed to handle this heaviness that she's holding? How can she continue to function with so much worry for her son? Well, in the past few years, I've learned a practice that has helped me so much when I feel a need to control others, or even honestly, when I simply just feel the need to control circumstances that are completely out of my control. And I feel bad, but I have no idea where I learned this. So I'm really sorry for not giving credit where credit is due. So whoever you are out there, thank you for blessing my life with this concept. But anyway, um, what I was taught was when you feel this need to control, you just have to take a step back and evaluate uh, the situation through this modem. You need to separate the situation into three categories. And I actually have physically written this down before. I thought it was so helpful. So the first category is what is my business? Second, you'll write a second category, which is what is their business? And the third category is what is God's business? So with the same scenario that we've been discussing about my friend, she would first write down in her own column, what is her business? Now, her business is to love and care for her son, to make sure his physical and emotional needs are met. She can write down that she has an obligation to teach him good habits and responsible behaviors. And she can write down that she wants to have a home where he feels unconditional love and support from her. So the next column is what is their business? And in this case, obviously, it's her son. So what could she write in that category? So she's going to write down the things that her son needs to take personal control and accountability for. And in this case, I think it's basically his choices and his actions, also his consequences that are going to come from those choices. It's his business to discover his own values and the path for his future and to take ownership of what challenges he may be personally creating for his future. And then lastly, the third category is what is God's business? So I think God is in charge of the timeline. God has the ability to take away her worries and overwhelm uh, from her if she surrenders them to him. She can pray to God and ask him for peace to watch over and influence her son. She can put in God's column to help enlighten her with how she can show up as the best mom she can that she might be inspired with any additional support that she can give. And then when she learns that, she can add that to her first column. 
So for me, when I've noticed that I'm starting to recognize feelings of anxiety or helplessness within myself, I go straight to making these three categories for the situation. And I honestly instantly feel better. It gives me peace to know that all I can do is stay in my own lane. I cannot control someone else and I cannot control the will of God. I need to simply let go and just focus on what I do have control over, which is essentially controlling my actions, my attitude, my responses, and my choices for how I want to proceed. I then can put all of my faith and trust in God, my loving Heavenly Father who always has my best interest in mind. His way always seems to turn out way better than what I could have planned for myself, and it seems to always help me grow and expand into the woman that I need and that I want to become. In this article, Laura Brotherson goes on to say, Can you make peace with your powerlessness and recognize your utter dependence on God? Accepting your powerlessness sends you directly into the arms of God where you are empowered. She then quotes 2 Corinthians 12, 10. I cannot, but God can. So don't spend your time and energy where you have no power. Surrender allows you to stop messing with other people's agency. So if you still feel worried about what's going on, I would echo what Dr. Brotherson says here. Don't waste your energy where you have no power. Just fill up God's column. Give him what you need. Ask him for it. He can take it. He wants to be there for you. There's a serenity prayer from the 12-step program, and it's just a great example of what I'm trying to speak of here. It goes as follows. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. I love that serenity prayer. It is so important. And I've definitely repeated that prayer in my head a number of times when I've been struggling with this need for control. You guys may be asking yourself, Tawny, why is trying to control things such a big deal or problem anyway? And I'll tell you that our brains like easy habitual behavior. Your brain will always take the path of least resistance. So I was thinking about this and I was researching and I came across an article from goodtherapy.com and it dives into the struggle behind control. They started by defining what control is. Control is exerting influence over one's environment or the actions or behaviors of another person. It is sometimes used excessively by those who fear the unpredictable and ambiguous. They feel the need to prove themselves or fear losing control. An insensate need for control may become overwhelming and exhausting, wreaking havoc on relationships, careers, and overall quality of life. So what really can cause these control issues? Control is usually a reaction to the fear of losing control. People who struggle with the need to be in control often fear being in the mercy of others, and this fear may stem from traumatic events that left them feeling helpless and vulnerable. As a result, they may crave control in disproportionate and unhealthy ways. The experience of abuse or neglect, for example, can make people look for ways to regain control of their lives, and sometimes victims lash out at other people in their lives. 
So often the need for control will drive people to turn to other things that they can control. And they end up micromanaging and trying to orchestrate the actions or behaviors of others. And this ends up causing people to often have really rigid rules regarding their routine or their diet or their cleanliness or order. And these control issues often are related to things like traumatic or abusive life experiences uh, or a lack of trust, anxiety, like I talked about earlier. There's fears of abandonment, maybe because of situations you've been through. You can struggle with low or damaged self-esteem. It can affect a person's beliefs, their values, and their faith. It can cause perfectionism and the fear of failure. And lastly, it can cause some people to have a real emotional sensitivity and a fear of experiencing painful emotions. So some people just avoid feeling altogether. So when people feel these things, what are some symptoms and control issues that might come into play? And there really are a myriad of ways in which people end up attempting to control their environment and themselves or others like we talked about. So some examples of exerting control over others are micromanagement, keeping a person from seeing or talking to loved ones or friends. There's gaslighting, which gaslighting is really a type of manipulation and can even be considered emotional abuse in some situations. It's where a manipulator is trying to get someone else to question their own reality or their memories or perceptions of what happened. It can really become a serious problem. And then it can cause people to be dishonest or overprotective or end up helicopter parenting, which is really something a lot of us parents struggle with. And it can also lead to physical, sexual, or emotional abuse, and even bullying or taunting. Often when people struggle with treating other people unhealthy and terrible, it's because they are dealing with trying to control things in their life that they're struggling with. What really worries me is if we let this need for control to just overtake us, it can end up evolving into things like eating disorders or compulsive exercising or self-harm or substance abuse or just, you know, having OCD behaviors when you're really compulsive about arranging or tidying or cleaning. We just want to control something. So we end up doing sometimes really unhealthy behaviors. Some people who really struggle with this need for control, they may end up uh, experiencing shame, anxiety, stress, depression, and a real host of other mental health problems. So as I read through this article on goodtherapy.org, I really find this information incredibly important and quite helpful in understanding how damaging this incessant need to control can become. Practicing letting go and letting God with the little things will help you create these really healthy and positive coping mechanisms. So when you end up having these big and heavy experiences, you'll already have these great coping mechanisms in place for yourself that have become habits for you and you'll learn how to handle your behavior so much better. I promise you guys that it is worth every effort. It will help you regain just such a peace and a joy in your life. And then it will give you this confidence that you did everything in your power and now you can simply have the attitude of come what may and love it. You just step back and you trust God. 
I really hope this information today was helpful for you. I know it has been really impactful for me to learn. Let me know if you guys have an opportunity to practice this this week and what you learned here today. I hope you guys have a great week and I can't wait to learn together next week as we discuss the second way to surrender, which is how to make friends with your worst case scenario. If you've been looking for a phone for your teen, but want to help them manage having a personal device before moving on to managing the entire internet and endless apps available on a smartphone, you need to check out Gab Wireless. They've created a phone that looks like a smartphone, has all of the essential apps you want for your teen, but doesn't cost an arm and a leg, and keeps the non-essential features completely unavailable. With just 14 essential apps, it's the best of both worlds. A phone with everything a kid needs with none of the stuff they don't. If two out of three adults show signs of phone addiction, we can't expect kids to develop healthy phone habits on their own. If you want to learn more, just click on the affiliate link in the show notes to help support the podcast and to learn more. And use the code BECOMING to get $10 off.